0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. To this earth, stepped out of deity, wrapped himself in flesh, dwelt on this earth, became our substitute, became sin. He that knew no sin became sin to die for us so that we you go to heaven based on our relationship with Christ we thank you for that we give you praise for that in Jesus name all of God's people said there's a sweet spirit in this house today sweet spirit Whitney Caleb thank you so much yeah. such anointed segment there, powerful 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 powerful. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your family. Thank you for coming to church on Sunday. After Christmas, I told Tracy, I said, I don't know if we'll have anybody there or not, but thank you for being here. Because, you know, not to sound cliche, but he is the reason for the season. We need to honor him. We need to show up and let him show out. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, it says this, Now as soon as they had come to the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. Everybody say fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her and she served them. The title that I want to preach from today is When Your fe- Fever Breaks, Then What? I want to continue this morning my series of sermons that I've been doing about faith. I love to speak of faith that I've never been in. Of teaching in the Word that I've never touched on. It's had me gone a little bit deeper than I probably have ever been in my life when it comes to speaking from here. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. Faith. So what that means is, it's impossible to get Christianity right if you get faith wrong. It's impossible. For the believer, faith should not just be a response to a crisis. Faith should be a way of life. That means that I don't just walk by faith when the doors are closed. I walk by faith when the doors are open. It means we don't walk by faith when the answer is no. We walk by faith even when the answer is yes. We don't just walk by faith when things are going wrong. We continue to use faith when things are going right. We don't just use faith when the right people come into our life because faith should not be a response to crisis it should be a way of life the just shall live by faith so that means we start the business by faith we say i do in marriage by we speak over our children we believe for healing by why because the just shall live by faith Nothing works optically or spiritually without faith. Prayer is not as effective without faith. You cannot receive salvation without faith. God cannot be pleased without faith. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything. There are a lot of definitions, but that's a real simple one. It's just acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything. JJ, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, my friend. Faith is acting like, not feeling like. And a lot of times we get that mixed up. Well, I don't feel, or I'm not acting. I'm not. No, it's not. It's acting like, not feeling like. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't mean if I feel, then I move. I move and tell my feelings to catch up. It's not. Feeling like God is telling the truth because sometimes you don't always feel like God is telling the truth if you're being honest. Here's here's what I mean by that. God talks about the difference between faith, facts, and experiences. What that means is sometimes I have a circumstance that is a fact. If I've got a financial need, that's a what? fact. If I've got a physical need, a business need, if things aren't going well in my marriage, those are all facts. Watch this. But a need says, what a need says is this, don't let the facts change the truth. Jesus, amen? So the facts don't change the truth. But the truth will change your facts. It's acting like, not feeding like. God is telling the truth. Acting like is what distinguishes faith from simply belief. Hear that? Some people have belief, but they call it faith. There's a difference. Here's the difference. Faith has an author and a finisher. Looking unto Jesus, who is what? The author and finisher of my faith. Comes from Him. Who is the finisher, meaning my faith goes back into Him. So here's the thing. When someone simply believes or they're optimistic, their belief has no source. You, you didn't get that. If they're just optimistic, well, they just simply believe it's going to be okay. That belief has no source. They're believing in believing. Faith, that's optimism. And that's okay. It's okay to be, you should be optimistic. I'm, I'm not a very optimistic person, to be honest with you. Faith is different. Faith has an author. Faith has a finisher. Faith says, I don't just believe it's going to work out. I believe God is going to work it out. My faith has a source, not my belief. I'm not believing in believing. I'm not hoping in hope. I'm hoping in God. Are you getting this? My faith isn't in doors. My faith is in the one who opens doors that no man can shut and closed doors that no man can open. My faith is not in the universe. My faith is the one who created the universe. My faith is not in this economy, CNN News, Fox News, my government, my faith is in God. We build our faith by understanding these realities about God. It'll be on your screen. Number one, God's character. We have that? God's character. That's who God is. Number two, God's competent. That's what God can do. Number three, write this down, God's covenant. The prearranged agreement He's made with you and I. The covenant. Today I want us to look at God's competence and what He can do. The text that we read in Mark is tailored to teach us that God is able to make your fever stable. In other words, God is able to help you with your hotness. We all got a little bit of hotness in us. <laughs> Just have a 14-year-old kid slap the floor and look at you when you're refereeing referee and say, I didn't do that. It's going to test my hotness. Because <laughs> I'm going to go... That's what it says in Mark chapter 1. Jesus had just engaged in an exorcism here in the synagogue. And you didn't hear me wrong. It was in the synagogue, not outside the synagogue, inside. So people are being informed spiritually yet in prison at the same time. <laughs> and Jesus says, you will not be able to act out what you've been informed about unless I address the internal resistance that you're dealing with in the form of being influenced by the evil spirit. So when you start talking about a heavenly realm or a heavenly place, it's not referring to height. It's referring to the realm of existence that cannot be accessed by your five senses. The Bible says, the Bible speaks about truth. There are things that you cannot see that affect things that you can see. There are invisible realities that affect Visible realities. If you don't believe in that, COVID is, should be a great example of that. Because you can't see COVID. You can't see a virus. You can't see flu. You can't see it. It is an invisible reality that is causing or resulting in visible and tangible realities. And the same thing happens spiritually. There are things we can't see that affect things that we cannot see. And Jesus knew that in order for this person in the synagogue to get free or be delivered, he couldn't just address him without information. Jesus said, I can't preach them out of this. Read the story. Jesus knew that if there was going to be a change, he had to address the situation and influence which was inside of that person. And I know that we live in a day and era where we don't talk or preach much about this, but I'm telling you, everything that shows up in the form of a habit is, isn't just a habit. And this is why some of these cycles we're not, be, were not able to break by willpower. How many times have we made promises to ourselves about breaking cycles disciples, disciples that were unable to break? And they don't happen. I'm going on a diet January 1. January 3, you've gained four pounds. Because something in your mind just triggers, I'm going to die? No, you're not. We're eating everything inside today. It's a cycle. And what that should say to us is that cycles requires more than just human ingenuity. Cycles require heavenly assistance. A power be on you and me, it requires the Holy Spirit. Hear this. And I'm not talking about this church, but we live in an era where people don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit very much. You know, mom got up here and began to speak in tongues, and that's foreign to some people. But it's biblical. You need the Holy Spirit. I rely on him every day. I have my prayer time. I speak in tongues every day. So, want you know that, maybe you didn't know that. I don't go around advertising it. But you need the Holy Spirit. You need to operate in the Holy Spirit every day. When you speak in tongues, you pray a perfect prayer the enemy cannot interrupt, does not know what you're saying. There will be a time in your life when you get a revelation that you can't break this thing you're going through by yourself, and you can't fix this by yourself, and you can't stop this by yourself. I need a comforter. I need a helper. I need the Holy Spirit. I got to have it. And so here, Jesus demonstrates this in the synagogue. This is the kind of church that we want to be. A church of principles and a church of power. We're not, and listen, in 2022, we're not just going to be a church to inform. We're going to be a church that transforms. We're not going to be just a church that informs. We're going to be a church that transforms. And when I say church, I mean you, not me, you. So this means we need more than just teaching about Jesus. We need touches from Jesus. He's in the synagogue. Jesus is performing exorcism. And I'm not saying we all need exorcisms. Some of us do, but I'm not saying all of us do. But I'm saying there are times when we need spiritual intervention. We need God to break that which has a stronghold us. Just just got a stronghold on us. Mark: 129 says, "As soon as he leaves the synagogue, he goes with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Notice he called Simon. He's called Simon here, not Peter. Lean in right here. You don't want to miss this. His name hasn't been changed yet. In Scripture, names were an indication of character. So God would change a name as a prophetic picture of who the person was involving into now watch this he didn't name them based on their facts he named them based on their truth for facts aren't always your truth your current condition may not be God's preferred future for you and you can find these examples throughout scripture God comes in the form of an angel to Gideon who's threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. He's threshing wheat in a place where he's supposed to be making wine. God comes to him and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Excuse my bad English, but there ain't nothing mighty about Gideon in that moment. Ain't nothing mighty about him. When you listen to how Gideon starts talking about himself, Gideon doesn't feel mighty. As a matter of fact, he's, pretty, he's feeling pretty inferior. And God says, I'm not going to name you based on your facts. I'm going to name you based on the truth, my truth. Because of my word does not return void. It accomplishes the thing I sent it out to accomplish. So every time I call you that name, I'm calling you into your future. Every time I call you that name, I'm speaking to you on the inside of you that you don't even know is on the inside of you yet. God is getting ready to show Gideon the transformation of his power. Listen, church, God can so (laughs) change your life that you look in the mirror tomorrow and not recognize the image that you see today because it's so different from what you saw yesterday. God tells Gideon, I'm able to make you stable. I'm able to take someone full of low self-esteem and make him a mighty warrior. God will call it out of you, church. But hear this, that imposter syndrome wants to imprison you in your reality of who God is calling you to be and talk you out of your truth. Look at your facts. Look at your facts. Look at your facts. That's what that imposter syndrome will do. And God says, no, look at my truth. Look at my truth. I'm talking to somebody, talking to somebody who's unfocused. And I'm calling you disciplined. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online. I'm talking to somebody who's unfocused. And I'm calling you focused today. Talking, talking to somebody who's maybe a little inconsistent. I'm speaking consistency into your life right now. I'm talking to somebody who is timid and apprehensive. I'm calling you bold. I'm calling you courageous. And I'm calling you full of faith. God's calling you into a version of you that you don't even know exists yet. What God say to Jacob? I'm going to take you, you trickster, you manipulator. I'm going to make you Israel. Who? Well, let's get back to Peter. Peter's name hasn't changed yet. He's Simon. Jesus goes to Simon's house. Doesn't go to Peter's house. (laughs) This is good. He doesn't wait until he becomes Peter. Jesus said, I'm coming to Simon's house. Is there anybody out there besides me or online watching that are glad he didn't wait until you became Peter to see about you? Right where you are, the worst version of yourself, God still came to your house. Now, I'm inclined to believe that he went to Simon's house because it wasn't Andrew's house. We don't hear a lot about Andrew. We hear a lot about Simon. We hear a lot about Peter. We don't hear a lot about Andrew. As a matter of fact, we forget about Andrew. We forget that's what, that, was his, that was his brother. See, Andrew wasn't a part of the inner circle, Jesus had 12 disciples. Three of them, it's what some are called by historians as the inner circle. Listen closely here. Everybody deserves God's love, but everyone is not entitled to the same access. Hear this. Jesus gave different degrees of access without explanation. Well, I thought thought God was no respecter persons. He's not. That's what we're talking about here. See, he didn't feel the pressure to explain to the other nine why he took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't feel the pressure to explain to the nine why he took Peter, James, and John to the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because he had to make a decision to give access to people that he felt like had enough character and competence to manage the access of the responsibility. Still with me? I don't want to lose you here. So if you look at what happened to Judas, of course Judas shouldn't have gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. If you look at doubting Thomas, Thomas should not have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. So there were 12 at the table, but not all 12 will go to the mountain. Andrew wasn't in the inner circle. So he had to make a decision. Am I going to manage or mismanage the favor? Watch this, that's on my brother. Am I going to get upset about it? Am I going to get jealous of it? Am I going to manage or mismanage all this favor? That's all my brother. Andrew had to be thinking, this is my brother. I know he didn't clean his room when he was younger. I was there every time he got in trouble with my mom. I know him. Jesus doesn't know him like I know him. That's probably what he's thinking. So what's this. If, we, if he would have mismanaged the favor that was on his brother, it's possible he would have missed out on a miracle. Because sometimes what people don't realize is the favor you're jealous of now is the favor you're going to benefit from later. Mm. You can go to the Old Testament and see that because that's exactly what happened with Joseph. Joseph's brothers mismanaged favor that they were going to need later. They were mad that Joseph had favor and they saw it manifest in a coat and they got upset about it. But boy, they sure were. Joseph was now in a position to actually... When they went through a famine. And Joseph was now in a position to actually save their life. Hear this. Write this down. You can use this, I promise you, this week. Some people could be blessed by you if they could just get over the favor that's on you. They just got to get over the favor that's on you. They go to Simon and Andrew's house. The Bible says Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Now, we also don't read a lot about Peter's wife. We do know that Peter traveled everywhere with Jesus a lot. Jesus, he, Peter was busy with him. He was busy with his itinerary with him, which means Peter was gone regularly. And I'm sure that probably affected him to some degree relationally with his wife. But now, here's the thing, the same Jesus that was t- taking Peter away from the house is the same Jesus is going to get ready to fix what's broken in the house. It's something that we say cognitively. Now, I'm about to say something that we say cognitively, but I don't know if we embrace it emotionally. And here it is. To whom much is given, much is required. So here's the reality of life on, the side, on this side of heaven. There are backsides to blessings. What I mean by that is there are people who want people that are great, but they want those great people not to be busy. There's a backside to blessings. When you get somebody everybody wants then you get somebody everybody wants. So if there's more blessing on one side, that means there's going to be more burden on the other because you don't get one without the other. That right there is a principle Jesus is talking about when he says, to whom much is given, much is required. St. Augustine said this, God bypasses the prayers of our lips to answer the prayers of our heart. That's why some things God's not saying yes to. Because He knows, although you want the front side, you can't handle the back side. So when you pray and the answer is no, that is the best answer for you. If the answer is not yet, that's the best answer for you. And sometimes God says no because you think you want it, but what you want is the front side. You want the promotion, but you don't want the pressure. You can't handle the pressure yet. And God says, no, you're not built for that right now. And that's why I haven't answered that prayer yet. It's not that he's not going to, it's just not yet. Look at verse 30 again in Mark chapter 1. Simon's, but Simon's wife, wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. Now, as I was studying this passage The word fever stood out to me. I've read this passage hundreds of times since I've been a believer. But it stood out, fever stood out to me like never before. So I began to do research about fever. I began to Google. I began to look it up. And I began to find out about fever. This is what I discovered. Fever is when your body temperature rises above its normal temperature range. Everybody says, well, of course I know that. But listen, it's also that your immune system is working properly to fight off causes of the fever such as cold, flu, or other infections. So the fever church itself is a sign that the immune system is doing what it's designed to do. And that's to work, fight off what's causing the fever. Let me say that again because some of you missed it. That's okay. You've got... Something that's happening, a foreign substance that's creating the fever, but the fever itself is a sign that your body's immune system is working to address the thing that's causing that fever. That's what that means. Watch this. So when Peter walks into, so Jesus walks into Peter's home, Peter's mother-in-law is there and has something that's causing the fever. Yet at the same time, her body is working to find out the substance that is creating it. So, the fever is a burden and a blessing all at the same time. Stay with me because the fever isn't what's wrong. The fever is a symptom letting me know that something's wrong. So, if it wasn't for the fever, there could be something that's lingering on the inside of me that could destroy me that I never give attention to if stuff didn't heat up in my life. So the heat in my life and the heat in your life is an indication and a revelation that something else is wrong. The heat is the problem, but the heat is also a symptom that there's a problem I need to give attention to. And I don't know who this is for today, but I'm preaching to I'm, I'm preaching to people that's hot in your house. And catch this, the hotness is not the issue. It's something else that's got you hot. When people get hot and get a fever, what can happen is they get symptoms like overheating. The fever gets too high. But here's the thing. The overheating isn't a problem. The overheating is a sign of the problem. So why are you getting so hot so quick? Some of you missed that. I preach to myself. Why do you get mad so quick? Why you got such a short fuse? You get that heated over that? What's wrong? Overheating, perspiration, achy. Why is everything on you hurting? Headache, weakness, decreased appetite. Listen, if you've ever dealt with a decreased appetite spiritually, that's a fever. I get in the Word, I just can't understand anything. That's a fever. I come to church and I don't feel like I don't feel anything. If you've ever dealt with mind problems, mind games, I'm not talking about mental illness or chemical imbalance. I'm talking about situational. That's the symptom of a fever. So Jesus walks in the house and sees this woman with a fever. The Bible says he went up to her, took her by the hand, helped her up. That's all he did. And the text says, the fever left her. Went to the house, took her by the hand, helped her up, that's it. Goes to her bedside, takes her hand. And the first thing he did is touch her. And then he helps her set up. And when she sets up, that fever left What this shows, watch this, what's this is this is important. What this shows is God's activity, the order of God's activity. We want the thing to leave, we want the thing to go away. But before this leaves you, God said, I need to set you up. God's trying, church, to take you by the hand and set you up. God needs to get you elevated and out of the position you're in. Because if He can change your position, He can change your condition. Look at verse 31. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them. When you first read that, that's hard to comprehend. What do you mean she served them? Fever wouldn't break. Jesus heals her. She got up and began to serve. Okay, I hope you're ready for this. Here we go. Are you the only one who has helped if God helps you with your hotness? Maybe Jesus had a unique interest in intervening in the affairs of this woman's life because of what she's going to do on the other side of that miracle. Maybe Jesus knew she is the only one that's going to benefit from what is going to happen, take place in her life. If the only thing that happens, church, is her fever breaks and she doesn't serve and create a breakthrough for someone else, then what good was it? See, the reason God could elevate Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was because God knew when they got through the fiery furnace, they're not just thinking about themselves, they were thinking about God's name. The reason God elevates Daniel in and Elijah is because God knew he was not just thinking about himself. He was thinking about God's name. So the question is, what do you believe in God for and what happens when you get it? Who benefits from it when the fever is gone? Will you just get up or will you get up and serve? Because the miracle God has done for you in the past should be your motivation to serve Him in your future. Now, keep this in mind. That woman wasn't the only hot one in the room. Heat and fire... Is also used as a metaphor in the Old and New Testament as the presence of God. I know that some of you know this, but some of you may not. Sometimes you can ask Alan, fighting fires, they'll use fire to fight other fires. <laughs> you didn't get that. They use fire to fight other fires. The presence of God is represented as fire in the house. So when Jesus walked into that room. He was saying, I'm coming in hot. I know the fever is hot, but I'm coming in hot. I'm gonna bring, di- bring in some different fire. A fire that is going, not the fire is going to consume and contain this fire that's burning on the inside of her. And I'm going to do it because I understand what she's going to do on the other side of the miracle that I'm fixing to give her. What are you going to do when your fever breaks? What are you going to do? When He heals you, when He delivers you and gives you a miracle, what are you going to do with it? Lord, I just pray that you send me a season of multiple blessings. Okay, but then what? Lord, break this fever of lack off of me. Okay, well then what? Lord, I pray you take this emptiness out of my life. Okay, but then what? Jesus said, I came in hot so I could break the fever off of her so she would be consumed by another fire that would cause her to serve other people. And just like Jesus came in hot for her, she wants to come in hot for others because of what he did in her life. Here's what I believe. I believe that we have to be very careful that we don't use faith to spiritualize selfishness. Like I said, bad grammar but good theology. It ain't just about you. The question is, I know God loves you, but can God trust you? just loves God. I want to be known as a man that can be trusted by God. I want to honestly say to God, you can trust me. And church, that should be all of our prayers to God. You can trust me, God. Whatever area of life you're dealing with a fever in, I want you to know that God can help you with that hotness. But here's the question that I challenge you with in closing today. After he deals with your hotness, after he deals with your fever, then what? Then what? Yeah. Good point. Can God trust you to serve after you've been served by him? And I want to say this. and I'll, I'll, I'll close this so I can give you guys a glimmer of hope. I want to say this. This church has always been excellent about serving others. Anytime a need rises up, you guys have been incredible about serving others. Here's the thing. We can get lax, forget about others, and we start focusing on us. My family, me, my, me and my three. No more. And when you go out in the marketplace and you go back into this world, there's going to be a lot of others that you can reach. And I know you've got things you're dealing with. I know you've got stuff you need answers of prayer to. I know a lot of things are going on. But when God answers your prayer, then what? It all goes back to what Manny says. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're healed to help pray for others and see others healed. We're delivered to help deliver others and pray for others and see them delivered. Once your fever breaks, then what? Once your miracle comes, how are you going to serve? Father, I thank you for this message. Speak to every person here. I speak blessings. Lord, I thank you that there are people that need miracles, that are people who are going through miracles, that are people on the other side of those miracles that are happening right now in their life. And Father, I thank you they're going to serve. I thank you that then what question, Father, is going to be answered through this sermon for their life today? They're going to know how to walk in what they've been blessed with. They're going to understand the miracle that they received, and why they received it was to help others and to do something for someone else. Father, I thank you that as we come to a close in this new year, Lord, next Sunday will be our first Sunday in 2022. I just thank you, Father, that new things, character is going to be redefined in your people in this church, a passion. Is going to be redefined, rekindled, stir up the gifts that you placed in us for 2022. And Father, we're going to serve like never before. We're going to be used like never before. And Father, we're going to be rejoicing to be glad to do it. I speak that into existence. I thank you for our kids. I thank you that they're blessed. I thank you they're highly favored. And Father, I thank you they're serving other young people and their schools and their friends. Father, this just isn't a grown-up thing. This is a people thing. So, Father, as a collective body, we we agree to walk in it. We we agree to be a part of it. How many with your heads bowed and your eyes closed would say today, you know what, Craig? I'm in that, that bed. I got that fever. And I realize the situation that's in my life is there. Maybe not because of what I've done, but it's there because God is going to use me to do great things on the other side of this miracle that I need. How many of us say that? Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. He's going to use you. He's going to use you in a mighty way. 2022 is going to be a year that you've dreamed about. I, I prophesy that in the name of Jesus. A year that you've dreamed about having. Father, we receive that in the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about stuff, God. Stuff is the least part of it, but Lord, I'm just talking about your presence in our lives. Your blessings that will follow. We give you praise and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen.